Welcome to Skills for Life, a podcast about high-demand jobs that are shaping future opportunities. This show is brought to you by the North Shore Schools Foundation. I'm Kira Dorian, your host and a North Shore mom. Let's get started. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Blair Musk Group and Coldwell Banker Bain Real Estate, serving clients on the east side for over 20 years. Reach out to Blair today or visit him at BlairMuskGroup.com. Today on the show, I have Shelly Kloba. She is state representative from the 1st District here in Washington, and I'm excited to speak with her because we're going to talk about data privacy and technology and agriculture and how those things link together. So, Shelly, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Kira. Thank you. Do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about how you got to be working in these fields? And and I assume you're working on laws specifically within these fields, but how'd you get here? (laughs) Well, it was a a little bit of a different path than I think uh, most people think of. In the state legislature, as you alluded to, we kind of generalize and there are a lot of things that we need to know a little bit about. And so that's where my interest in some of these things has come from based on the committees that I serve on. But the way that I got here to the legislature was I majored in kinesiology in college and really had my initial start in the career working in the fitness industry and as a personal trainer, physical therapy aide. Eventually, I went to massage school and I had a more than 20-year career in massage. Well, that doesn't seem like a typical pathway to the legislature. (laughs) No, it certainly doesn't. (laughs) But parallel to all of that, I became a mom and got very interested in making the world a better place for my child and other children and joined PTA, which led to a variety of other nonprofits that I worked in and volunteering to be on our park board in Kirkland, which then led me to think, well, I could run for this position as a city council member, which I I did, appointed, and then I ran for election. And then when there was an opening in the legislature, I thought, you know, I have been representing people. I've been caring for people all of this time. And being a legislator also fits in that. So it was just kind of taking it to another level. So I'm very happy to do it. And I chair the Commerce and Gaming Committee, as well as serving on our Rural Development Ag Natural Resource Committee and our Capital Budget Committee. Wow. So what I'm hearing is all the PTA moms out there should know that they too can become a representative. Oh, yes. And indeed, there are many people who have (laughs) somewhere in their background PTA or even, you know, other nonprofit or charitable organizations that can really um, help you develop skills that maybe you didn't pick up in your actual formal education, but that uh, you get to learn by working with people. And I guess just all of the things that you don't really realize you need, I think serving in some of those capacities really helps you fill that in at the, you know, what they call the school of hard knocks, you know, where you just get out there and you try it and you learn by doing. Wow. That's really cool. What an amazing career path. Thank you for sharing that for both our students and I think our our parents to hear as well, our PTA moms to be inspired. That's really cool. So I know that, you know, these two areas of focus that we're going to talk about today that you're working on are agriculture and then tech and kind of data privacy. So let's start with that. Tell me a little bit about this field because it does seem to be kind of a new field. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, we probably didn't 
really need data privacy (laughs) the way that we do right now. So how has this field transformed and what kind of jobs do you see cropping up in the next five to 10 years as our students are coming out into the workplace? Yes, well, we, I think, saw a pretty steady trajectory of the collection of data and the use of data. And it really exploded, I think, during the pandemic when so much of our lives went online, whether that was, you know, we were using our computers at home to access the marketplace, access medicine and healthcare. We use it to access our jobs. And I think your students are going to be very familiar with the ways that they use the computer to access their education. So with all of those realms of our lives, It's important to know that every single time we are on our computers and connected to the internet, there is a ton of data that is being just collected about everything we do, every website we visit, how long we stay, what we look at, you know, which website did we come to the website from, et cetera, all kinds of metrics like that. And even things like our keystrokes and any of the things that we input into the computer. So there's... I think a a great demand and it has been changing over time. And so like I mentioned privacy or you mentioned data privacy is really important because with this just vast amount of data, it's important that we figure out how to make sure that people can have some say in who gets their data. And so I think in terms of careers in data security, that is a booming career. I know, in fact, my husband works in data security and they have a very difficult time finding enough people to work in that field. And so that's much more of a office type job. But even the fact that now we all need to have a level of computer access that we maybe didn't have before, that makes broadband a very important concept, broadband access. So in terms of broadband and internet access, that's not just the ways that you connect to the internet, you know, physically, but it's also having the equipment to use to connect to the internet and having the technical expertise to connect to the internet. Now, I imagine that most of the young people listening are, of course, digital natives And some of those things are not as challenging for them. And I'm sure they can look in their own homes to find people who are less tech savvy than they. And Mm -hmm. um, so they can kind of understand that that three-legged stool of access. So there are careers in all of that, whether you want to be somebody who's laying fiber, working for one of the big companies, if you want to be someone who teaches people how to embrace technology and use it to make their lives better and easier. Or if you want to be somebody who manages the systems, there's opportunity there for everyone. Even things like the the handling and storage of data, working at data centers. We have some tax incentives now in the state that I think will cause us to build some more data centers. And certainly being a technician who can work in that field would be a very helpful and certainly will have demand for that. Wow. So it sounds like so many different types of opportunities. And then for our students to know that 
from what I'm hearing, you know, this could be somebody who's taking a trade school path, someone who's taking a university path, someone who's taking community college path, like opportunities for everyone, basically, if you're interested in data, in broadband, in the this particular arena, there's something out there for you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that's technology, mostly as I'm thinking about data, but even in terms of other technology, as many of our listeners are going to know, the environment is a big concern for a lot of people. And so the renewables, uh, renewable energy is a big field. And there's a number of ways to get involved in that. Battery technology is going to be the key to the success of renewables like solar and wind and being able to store that energy when the production of it is at peak, but our use of it maybe isn't. It's very important to match the load, which is how much energy people are using with the amount that is being produced. So anyway, battery technology is going to be huge there. Robotics is just amazing field where whether it's you're the robotic tech who is fixing the robot, either, you know, on the production line or the delivery robots. I don't know if some folks have seen those in the, in Bothell. Yeah. <laughs> I drive uh, by them every week and my kids point and they're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> the little robots. <laughs> right. And so they'll see there are people techs who are working with those, but in the developing those kinds of machines for the variety of different uses that um, we're using robotics for is very uh, lucrative area. I think that's only going to explode. And whether you think about it as a little delivery vehicle, like the little blue ones that we've seen in our neighborhoods, or it's bigger delivery vehicles that go on streets, which are in development, and also autonomous vehicles. That's a big area that I have become interested in. And that started with a previous committee I was on, the Innovation Tech and Economic Development Committee. So I've done some work on creating the law for those uh, small delivery robots and, and how they're meant to behave and interact with traffic and pedestrians. And we have a autonomous vehicles work group where we're trying to figure out how do we facilitate the development of those and the testing of them here in Washington state. So those are some very exciting new type of careers that I think would be fun for your listeners to explore a little bit. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot of opportunity. That's really, really exciting to hear. I want to make sure we talk about agriculture. So mm -hmm. tell us, let's just like hop over there without any rhyme or reason. Let's hop over to agriculture <laughs> and tell me a little bit about this industry and how it's transforming and what the job opportunities are going to look like there. Well, I will tell you that one of the threads that connects them and is where I'm interested in is what they're calling automated agriculture or precision agriculture. So this is a way that farmers can be as specific as possible with when they plant and where they plant. There are multiple types of farm machinery now that use GPS to guide them. And so they may have somebody sitting in the seat where formerly you'd think of yourself as driving, but you're just managing the um, guidance systems 
that are, you know, GPS and they make sure that you are planting or fertilizing or whatever it is you're doing to the crop, um, you're doing that in the most efficient way possible. So in terms of equipment design, that's an important piece. Technicians to repair this high-tech equipment that is far more complex than tractors and combines and irrigation systems used to be now that they have, you know, some smart technology with them, learning how to repair those things is going to be really important. In addition to precision agriculture, I think something that, again, was highlighted or brought to our attention during COVID was the notion that um, supply chain is really important. And it's one thing to grow crops, but you have to get them to market. You have to get them to the consumers. And when some of the markets shut down, they had to find new customers in different ways. And so I think that looking at different farm to table pathways, developing new markets, developing new ways to connect the farmer to the consumer with fewer uh, middlemen is something that I know the public is very interested in. There's really a renaissance of learning where your food comes from and having a relationship with the folks who grew it. Um, we see that in our farmers markets and in some of our smaller produce markets that, that we have here in our community. Another field or another maybe area in the field of agriculture and related to tech is Remote sensing. There are analysts who take a look at uh, GIS mapping, which is a technology, and satellite imagery and aerial photos, thermal scans, all of these sources of data come together and they analyze them to understand, you know, is there a pest infestation? What is the temperature of the soils? You know, what's going to be the best time to plant, etc. There's tons of information that can be processed and analyzed so that we can make sure that farming is as efficient as possible and that the amount of inputs into the crops um, is minimal so that the farmers can, you know, make a living doing that work. And even just classic farming as we think of farming is an interesting place. I don't know if it would be a surprise to people to know this, but the average age of the farmer in the United States is 57 years old. These folks are going to be sort of aging out of this profession. It's a hard profession. There's a lot of physical manual labor to it. There is though a lot of independence and creative thought and being outdoors that are certainly very appealing to that profession. And uh, I think it's very satisfying to plant things and watch them grow and then feed people. So there are some newer programs to help young people get involved in farming, maybe who didn't come to farming because of, you know, their parents having a farm. Folks who are even city kids who are interested in farming, I think would be something to really think about if, if you're a person who likes working with your hands and doing things that are very concrete rather than abstract. I think we kind of have covered the, the whole spectrum 
of <laughs> yeah, versus this is, abstract. Well, this is amazing. I mean, so many phenomenal opportunities that you've just like plunked in our students' laps today. That's incredible. So just before we wrap up, I'm curious if there's any quick takeaways for our students, things they can be doing right now if any of this appeals to them or something you would want students to know. Oh, absolutely. I think that you have to follow your passion. And it is okay if you don't know what your passion is just yet or what your lifetime work is going to be. Start with what you're interested in right now. Try to connect with people who are doing that work right now. I think a lot of adults are happy to share information and their experience about their particular career. And I think it's important to make sure that your education involves communication, writing skills, science, and just that you have a love of learning and maintain a sense of curiosity because I think I may be the poster child for going into what I had a passion for, which was kinesiology, loved biology and, and, you know, the study of human movement. And that was what I went into. And I had a very satisfying career there. And then life happens and takes you down a path. And, you know, you have to be open to other ideas that maybe you didn't think of when you were in high school. And that can be very satisfying too. Mm-hmm. I love that. I always think to myself, I wish my parents, when they were telling me, follow your dreams, I wish they had told me, it's okay if those dreams change. Absolutely it is. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you, Shelly, so much for being on the show and just bringing all these amazing opportunities to the foreground for our students and parents to hear. Oh, great. Very cool. And I am one of those adults who's happy to share. So if anybody has any questions about what it's like to serve in the legislature, I'm happy to connect with them. We hope you'll join us again and remember to hit subscribe to be notified about upcoming episodes. Join the conversation on our Facebook page, Build Skills for Life. That's Build Skills, the number four, and then the word life. Are you interested in advertising as a sponsor for this podcast? Contact us at podcast at nsdfoundation.org. To learn more about the North Shore Schools Foundation, visit us at northshoreschoolsfoundation.org. Thanks for listening.